Welcome, everybody, to the newest episode of the Amateur Theory Podcast. Uh, we've been away from a little while, but we got uh, Adam in jail here, along with myself, Braden. And, uh, you know, I thought we'd start with uh, JL, just kind of uh, talk about, you know, what you've, what you've been up to, where you've been. So I decided to take kind of a, for lack of a better phrase, a technology fast. Oops. Not completely. I just wanted to get off the internet for a little bit. Um, like, basically, like, avoid, like, just being, like, stuck on a computer all day long or, like, on my phone. So basically, all I did for about, was it a month? Like, three or four weeks? Just... <laughs> tried to not uh, use the phone or computer, which didn't always work, but for the most part, I was kind of able to control myself. I just kind of wanted to, I guess, sort of refocus my brain in a sense, just because it was becoming impossible for me to concentrate on anything. So I basically needed to allow myself to get bored. Um, so I just, for fun, like I had books I could read. I had a small USB thumb drive, just like 16 gigs. I could, I allowed myself to f uh, have 16 gigs worth of like film and music that I could listen to or watch. And, and then, you know, just write the other time or just figure out or let myself be bored because I don't know. Sometimes you need to do that, I feel like. Um, and it was. It was actually an interesting experiment. Um, I'm just naturally a very reserved, I guess, introverted type person. So I actually kind of liked the isolation. Like I started like putting myself back out there again and people were like starting to message and call me and I, I was actually getting kind of annoyed because <laughs> I just wanted my like peace and quiet back. But it's fine. Um, yeah, it's... I don't know. I guess I, I basically went like what Thoreau for like a month, <laughs> as Thoreau as you can get in a house. <laughs> do you feel like it is uh, the experience better to you, or like do you think you're uh, you know me better attention span, or was it just kind of do you feel different towards the end there? I actually kind of felt it, and then I started using the computer again, and I felt like it. <laughs> All went back to like two percent. It did not take long to destroy it. All right. Well, here's two questions. Would you do it again? And do you suggest other people doing it? Yeah. If it's, I would. Yeah, I'd actually do want to try it again. I absolutely would. Um, and as for other people, if it's if it's feasible, I mean, like if. I'm assuming for most people, you can't just, like, completely, like, cut yourself off from the world, like, mm. but, um, just, I don't know, you know, like, I think recently people have been, like, you know, like, trying to cut out social media, tech, that kind of thing, which I do think is sort of good for you, just to not get so, like, wrapped up in all these different um, like sundry things coming at you, like creating all this anxiety. Um, just, yeah, allow yourself to kind of 
like force yourself to like just I guess what I said before, like be bored or like not like go seeking for like that next dopamine hit like constantly every like ten minutes. Which is why I felt like I'd got into some other people are better about this than I. I personally have very little self-discipline, so I kind of wanted to do this, um, you know, like uh, forced tech fast type thing. Um, I mean, so yeah, I would recommend it. I don't think it's something like people need to do. I'm not like extolling its virtues and going to say like the entire world would be better if everyone did this. But if it sounds like the kind of thing that you think sounds interesting or would be good for you, yeah, it's absolutely worth a try. Do you uh, like the length that you did? Or do you think that it would have been better to be shorter, maybe longer? Uh, personally, I would have... I think I would have liked to go longer, like maybe like two or three months. Um, but that takes a heavy amount of self-discipline. And just you... I mean, you can't, like, unless you actually do, like, full thorough and, like, go out into the woods, like, like into the wild and then, like, you know, get yourself killed or whatever, like, Chris <laughs> McCandless, um, it's, you know, it's not really feasible, but. Okay. But I mean, if you're good at that sort of thing, like, you can tell yourself, oh, no, I'm not gonna, like, you know, like, just go on Reddit because, like, I got bored for, like, three seconds, then, yeah. No, uh, I thought it was really interesting when you did this because I think I have the same issue in terms of that I don't let myself be bored. I remember that was definitely a thing when I was younger, right? Pre having you know the internet in your pocket, there would just be moments where you had to would have nothing to do, and then you just had to just be with yourself. <laughs> or I mean, like <laughs> you know, yeah, you, know, you had to like like, like amuse yourself with your mind. Yeah, or like uh, when you're like when you're waiting in line or something, right? But now it's just instinctual. But know? now when you're waiting in line, you can watch Quibi. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> no, and it, it is interesting. Um, and I don't want this to turn into like you know phones are bad. Some boomer talk over here. I think that it's uh, pretty amazing that you have the wealth of information and can be very you know talk yes, to I absolutely people on your phone. That's awesome. But um, I think maybe there is something that's lost a little bit when you just are, you're always distracted all the time. Because I think I am. I, I, I don't allow myself to be bored. I, I have to have something. And usually I'll have multiple things going on. I'll have the TV. Yeah, same on, with me. And then I'll have the phone. And then maybe I'll even like, <laughs> I don't know, put on like some music in the background. Or I, there's always like three or four things that's like seems to be happening. And that's my normal state of Yeah, being. you're never engaging it like with any one thing like at full 100 percent, you know it's always like this and this everything's at like maybe you know like 40 percent and i think for something you know like a film or an album or a book like you definitely appreciate it more and get something out of it if you're like 100 percent on it um yeah that's definitely true just uh you know, if you're watching this, we're okay. You can always do the podcast. That doesn't count towards your <laughs> thing you're paying attention to. <laughs> but other things, you know, you never know. We're the equivalent of reading literature. We're... <laughs> <laughs> no, but very, very cool experience. Um, that is, uh, yeah, I thought that was awesome. And I, I hope, I asked Jail to talk about it on the podcast because I thought, uh, you know, maybe other people would be interested in 
you know, what that was like. But uh, now moving on to, you know, movies. That's what we do here. Uh, started out with, uh, you know, a very big piece of news that uh, came out recently. Warner Brothers is going to put every movie. Uh, is it only 2021 or is it just like permanently 2021, now? I think. All the movies are going For HBO now. Max. Yeah, there's, there's been some backlash. Uh, Christopher yeah. Nolan. Well, so they uh, said they're simultaneously, like when a film like yeah is released, it'll be simultaneously released in theaters and on the streaming service. Um, which, damn. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I know. What a deal. Um, I know personally, and like I am an advocate for movie theaters. I don't think I'm going to see any of these movies in theaters. I think I'm probably going to watch all of them on streaming because I have HBO Max. I will absolutely go see Dune in theaters. Okay, that's, fair enough. This, that's this Dune, interesting. That's... Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, you pick the ones you like, right? The mm-hmm. ones that are most interesting to you. What are the biggest ones? We got Wonder Woman. We got Dune. We got Kong versus Godzilla. Is there any other, like, really big one that I'm missing? Uh, Conjuring 3, I guess, is big. Maybe okay. not that big. Yeah. No, I mean, if Conjuring I can, series. Uh, the list. Big for horror. But I mean, this is this is an interesting uh, experiment. I'm wondering. I don't know. I guess how much money they're going to. Does Warner Brothers doesn't own HBO, right? They're different companies. Um, actually, I think maybe there is kind of a shared ownership aspect here. I don't actually know. <laughs> double check. I want to double check that. Um, well, then I wonder because at first I was thinking like this: there's no way that they're getting more money. The HBO is paying them more for their movie rights than they would get from the box office. But if they have some shared ownership and they're getting some of that revenue stream, mm. then maybe this makes more sense. Because that's essentially what Netflix does already, right? And Netflix doesn't put things out in the theaters. Mm. And they are trying to double dip, right? They're trying to get both. So they're doing some versioning. They're getting a lot of, you know, poor people are going to casually watch it on streaming, but then you'll have people like JL who really, really want to see a certain particular movie in theaters. And so may, you know, the new Space Jam movie. Oh, <laughs> snap. That's actually that's a pretty big one. Yeah, you got to go to theaters for that one. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, let's be real here. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, you know, these are huge. Um, I will say that if uh, you weren't interested in HBO Max before, this is a pretty good like offering. This is like a pretty good addition to that service that you're going to have all these, like, you know, blockbuster premium movies that are going to be on there. I mean, that's that's pretty big, actually. Um, I, I already kind of liked HBO Max. I think it's a little overpriced in comparison to other streaming services. But the, the stuff they have on there is pretty solid. You know, obviously you have all the HBO original content, but even beyond that, you have, uh, you know, they did the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air <laughs> reunion episode just came up. I mean, that's, that's pretty interesting. They also have all the Miyazaki movies. I'm just a huge fan of... Uh, him and that whole studio Ghibli, so that's cool to me. Um, and then they have they just have a lot of cool stuff on there. So it's it was already pretty solid um, content, but no, this is just to me puts it over the top. This this is really uh, I don't know. Like it's, I mean, like the it's one of the best streaming services. Is, the user base is pretty huge, right? Like a this isn't like Showtime or something where like yeah. people actually have HBO Max. Like no, this. Yeah, 
theaters, I feel like we're we're at the end of an era. Um, like, awesome. or maybe at the beginning of a new one. Actually, <laughs> the era is already ended. But like, yeah, theaters, I. I have a hard time seeing them coming back from this. I think the biggest blow was Disney because all the biggest blockbusters, I mean, like it's, it's weird to say this because at the same time that we're calling for the end of the movie theater industry, we've had record record shattered, uh, like movie gross, uh, grossing in like the couple years prior, right. With Avengers and star Wars and all these other huge franchises. So it's not like, you know, movies weren't making money at the box office. They were, they were making gangbusters. Um, but it seems like more, I mean, if Disney is going to be really good about putting things on Disney Plus instead of uh, in the home theater, and now Warner Bros., um, you know, who's to say what's, if you know, I, I don't know. It'll be interesting. Maybe we'll go back to, like, the, the really old days where, like, different movie studios would have their own theaters, that vertical integration. Oh my god! <laughs> the whole studio system. So, so I just want to point out. I did a little bit of a research while you're talking. Um, I was listening to yeah. um, that. Uh, yeah, HBO is owned by Warner Media. So okay, uh, yeah. So there absolutely is uh, uh, the opposite of a conflict of interest. The interest is converging uh, essentially in doing this, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I think that this is worth pointing out that um, HBO Max was already big, but H like I I, I want to think of this a little bit more than just um, wasn't, oh, yeah, what are the effects of movies, and instead look at this look at what is the effect on HBO Max because this is the streaming service now. I, I like honestly I think that this m- move by itself has. My prediction is that it's now HBO Max is now bigger than Netflix. Um, I don't know if that will happen. I think it could happen. Um, it's just like uh, we've heard about all these movies for like a really, really long time, and it's all possible to see them all. Thirty days for thirty days at the release date on HBO Max. To me, it just seems like it's like such a I don't know a power move. It's like I feel like this is. The streaming service, uh, uh, what's the term? It, like in conversation now, more than basically anywhere else. I know that Disney Plus was like really, really um, ramping up as well, but I, I still feel like it. I don't know. I feel like HBO Max has put itself on top with this move. We'll see if it that. I would be. I'd be very, very surprised if anyone could truly dethrone Netflix at the top. Um, just because the subscriber base of that service is just so massive, um, you know, people aren't that fickle with these things, right? Like most most consumers, you know, they're happy with their Netflix. They have like you know the three or four shows they like, and they're just going to keep on watching them. And you know, to us, like you know, we hear about these movies and we're just like, oh, it's super exciting. But I wonder how much people even know. Like if you talk to the average person on the street, how many people know about this Warner Brothers deal? Like, actually, I, I don't know that. Uh, I, I'm sure that it's, you know, it, I think this will increase subscriber numbers. You know, some of these movies are going to be pretty big. Um, we'll, we'll have to look What's going to be the retention HGM. rate, though? Because it's not like everyone wants to see, like, every single movie coming out next year. Like That's true. Dude. Yeah, because they, they had like, the Game of Thrones problem, right? Like, as soon as Game of Thrones left, they had, they had a massive drop-off. <laughs> of, it, it would happen every season. 
So I, I don't I don't know. I'm actually not totally sure. Um, I'd be very, very surprised if they become the number one streaming service. But I do see this as just adding to an already impressive catalog. I and HBO Max has had some rollout issues where like you couldn't get it on, you know, Amazon Prime sticks and like some other weirdness that happened. Everyone was confused about what it was because everyone had HBO now and then they were just like, what is this? Uh, but I think that um this is definitely going to help cement the service with people. I, I I don't know. I think it's a good move in terms of HBO subscribership. I don't know if it's a good move in terms of Warner Brothers as a whole. Well, that remains to be seen. Um, you know, it depends on how many subscribers they get from this move compared to how much they would have made in the box office. Um, and, you know, the Warner Brothers movies don't tend to do as well as like the Disney movies anyway in the box office. Like the the yeah, well, monster Disney movies. movies always do the best, right? Like the like it, comparing it to Disney. I mean, these other movies are still huge. Like, I mean, but the I'm, fourth Matrix the, movie. Uh, like, I can't imagine that. Like, just mm -hmm. making a small amount of money. Well, like I'm thinking, like Dune. If it did comparable numbers to say, um, uh, I want to say Cyberpunk, but it's. It's not Blade, Blade Runner. Runner. <laughs> it does similar numbers as <laughs> Blade Runner, which is a similar yeah, that type movie, right? Then that would be, you know, I wasn't that didn't do very well in the box office. The the monster movie, so Godzilla versus Kong, the previous ones, like the the King Kong movie and the Godzilla movie, that that didn't do that well either in the box office. Um, the only like big hit here, they're probably the biggest one was Wonder Woman, and I mean that was pretty successful. But I mean, that's uh, that's one. Wait, 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 wait. What what about Space Jam two? Can can we that has the potential? <laughs> address to the Space Jam. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know about that one. That that one, I mean, because you know it's it's a reboot of an old franchise, which can go one of two ways, pretty easy, right? Like those things can flop. Oh, is it a reboot? Well, sort of. It might be a sequel. I think LeBron James is the main guy instead of Michael Jordan. Um, I believe. I don't know all the specifics about Space Jam. I'm going to watch it. Like, I'm definitely, definitely going to watch it. <laughs> but <laughs> I don't know all the specifics about it. But, I mean, I'm just saying you're bringing back this old franchise. Um, and I'm sure it would do some kind it's of numbers. Beloved old franchise. <laughs> so I do, yeah. I do want to say that if it, I am right, I think you're making good points. And I'm starting – I don't think necessarily that I'm right. But, like, if – that prediction turns out to be true. I think it will become true because of the diminishing is diminishment word the diminishment of uh, movie theaters. So if it like if the essentially I feel like if the public gets the message that the movies are coming on the streaming services now, then yeah, I I, I think it's possible that HBO Max is get becomes really big. From this because they did it first and they did it with big movies but um uh yeah i i i, I no guarantees certainly I, and you know movie theaters were making so much money before like you said like it seems like the kind of thing that uh let's say they all disappeared and then covid was gone suddenly i think maybe they'd all reappear suddenly like maybe they weren't really on the verge of death at all so yeah we'll see yeah it's it's um it'll be interesting to see how next year plays out in terms of all this with the uh the situation we you know we're expecting at least a very drastic change um but all right 
The uh, the next topic I wanted to talk about, uh, I thought would be kind of an interesting one. We're, we're heading towards the end of the year, and we've watched a lot of movies for this podcast. Um, and so I wanted to talk about uh, what, of the movies, if you're just limiting yourself to the ones that we like reviewed or talked about in depth on this podcast, what do you think is the best movie you saw this year on Amateur Theory, the worst movie, and then also I thought it'd be fun to talk about the, the best um, so bad it's good movie. We used to do a lot more of those when we first started. So Adam, I don't know how much of those. You yeah, that was our stick when we first started. But when we first started, that's basically was our whole thing. And so uh, that you know, just just as an homage to that, I thought it'd be interesting to talk about that too. But uh, let's let's start with the best. What do you think is the the best movie that you saw that we talked about? Hell, I can't. I <laughs> I need to look at a list of what we've seen this year so far. Um. So, um, if you have something in mind, Adam, while he's looking, yeah, uh, spoilers. I think this movie is my favorite that we've done for this. Oh, wow, yeah, Mank, okay, so far. You know, uh, Mank was great, and I'll get to talk about it. In a oh, yeah, I'm excited <laughs> to talk about yeah, it. Yeah, I actually do think but, uh, that's my favorite that I've seen from the, with this. Movie. Okay, not totally valid, totally valid point. Um, for me, and I'm gonna preface this with saying that, uh, it might not be the best movie, but of the movies I saw, it was the best movie experience that I had. Like in terms of in the moment as I watched it, I had the most, I got the most out of it. And that was Tenet. Um, I, I recognize the movie has flaws, but there was something about the, uh, you know, I talked about, I, I saw it in theaters and I was the only one in the theater um, during a pandemic. And, you know, that's such a grand, crazy movie in like a, crazy time and it's just like a memory i think it's gonna when i look back on the pandemic in like 10 years i think that's gonna be one of those pandemic memories that just like sticks and so for that i give it the uh the top over even though i recognize it's a flawed movie and maybe some of the other movies we've seen are a little bit more you know better in other ways <laughs> but uh just just for that 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 experience of seeing that in theaters and i mean i, I still maintain it was a good movie you know we gave it a good review um, we don't do scores, but we both liked it. And uh, I, I still think I'll, I'll be interested to see it again, you know, once it hits like streaming to see if it if it holds up as well as when I saw it in the theaters. Probably not quite as well, but I imagine I'll still like it because there, there was still some cool things about it. Maybe I could put subtitles on, get some uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> missing context. <laughs> I'll read the screenplay beforehand. I'll like watch one of those YouTube like tenant ending explained videos. <laughs> But yeah, I think that would be my answer. All right. Well, I went back and quickly looked through our list of movies. Um, and I might be of the same opinion as Adam on this one. Oh, wow. All yeah. right. Well, get hyped for this interview. <laughs> really <good>. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have after. this interview. Yeah. we oh, yeah, interview. Guys, it's Gary Oldman. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Come out here, you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Let's 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 move on then to the worst movie that we've seen. And I, I can start with this one. Okay. Um, this this is, again, one we saw pretty early on. Uh, I think I might know what you're going to say. Airbender is so horrible. <laughs> and this is when we were, we were, like, really doing the so bad they're good movies. And so some of those movies are, are pretty bad. Think like movies. We didn't do this one, but like think like the room kind of. 
And uh, a lot of those movies would be bad, but at least they were, like, funny or entertainingly bad. Yeah. This is just horrible in every conceivable way. I was actually kind of, like, looking forward to – because I hadn't seen it since it came out in theaters. Um, and I was looking forward to, like, kind of seeing it and being able to, like, you know, poke fun at things and, you know – no, <laughs> like it was such a it was such a struggle. I actually had to turn off the movie like multiple times to take a break <laughs> from watching this. I think I might have done that too. No, yeah, I didn't watch it in one sitting. I think I had to split it in two viewings. It was so horrible. <laughs> it's such a bland, boring mess. It's one of those like I feel like everything that could have gone wrong like went wrong. Like <laughs> it's, it's just. It's unbelievable. And then it's, it hurts so much more that it's off a franchise that is actually, like, good. I mean, like, that, that the show is, is you know, obviously critically beloved and loved by tons of fans, and I love it. Like, I, th- I think it's really good. Um, but the movie just, man, it's just it's so bad. Yeah, which I guess is kind of an achievement in itself. Like, it's that bad, like... <laughs> like you gotta try usually you gotta try pretty hard to get like that low I don't know <laughs> maybe well uh, I feel like my answers aren't going to be as like bombastic as yours because your whole thing was doing bad movies and I didn't yeah, get to see those we got sick of watching so many bad movies so like like I mean, there were movies, there were some not as good movies in the ones that I, we watched while I was here. Um, so, I, I don't know. I have to split my answer between the movie that I actually thought was worse, like the, the worst I've seen, and also the, but also the one that I didn't like the most because it bothered me. Um, so, um, realistically, the um, uh, Books of Blood horror movie was pretty bad it just like i I don't know there are some things some parts of it that like you could almost i i i could almost like love for trying for the way it tried to do certain things um but like just if i'm taking a step back it's like this is not a a good movie it's it's bad it's a bad movie you know (laughs) that sorry that's the truth um i think i know you're gonna say next yeah, I suspect so as well. Uh, Mulan really yeah. bothered me. Like it, it it's it just, it, and I think the sin that it um, uh, committed is adjacent to the Avatar thing. It's not obviously. It's not like the dumpster fire the Avatar Avatar is. In fact, it's actually really competent in a lot of areas. Um, but it commits a similar sin of the the of, and that sin is it changed things and it was worse. It, like they, it wasn't just that it changed things. It's like, oh, you changed it. It's changed thing, and it's bad because you did that. Like, and that is just a, a terrible thing to see in a movie. Yeah, Mulan is one of the most like for me at least like, eh, movies <laughs> ever. Yeah, <laughs> which, yeah, it's uh the uh, the gap between how excited I was for it and how it ended up. <laughs> that one, Mulan, might be the biggest for me in that respect. Yeah. Tisk, tisk, tisk. What about you, Jail? What's the worst? Oh, Last Airbender. Jesus oh. Christ. Oh. <laughs> 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 <Wow. Yeah. Sorry. laughs> 
Fair enough. Okay. And then um, what about the, the so bad it's good? Okay. I mean, I'll start before I ask Jail. I'll give you some time to think about it. Uh, Adam, would you say that Books of Blood was a so bad it's good movie? Um, I am not upset that I watched it. So, yeah. I'd say so. Um, and But it's it's not so bad it's good in the way you think. Like, I feel like typically you think it's like there's some kind of, like, uncanniness to the awfulness that, it, like, in some way it becomes almost aesthetic. Like, it's like, oh, this is funny or this is, like, so bad that you're, you've done that it, like, crosses into, like, new territory that I couldn't have imagined myself. Like, so it, it isn't so good and bad. it's bad in that area. It's... It's bad, and then at the same time, there were parts of it that were, like, attempts that I thought were good and that I was glad that the movie attempted, if that makes sense. So it's so I wouldn't say it's like it's like a, um, you should see how inept this is. This isn't trolls, you know. Instead, it's like, yeah. this was not a good movie. Um, but at the same time, there were things about it that I thought were good ideas. That's all. Okay. So, GLD, do you have well, a... Go, going back to the previous one... The worst mm. movie we saw? I think I actually might change my answer. Okay. It's Ballistic X versus <laughs> <laughs> That one was... Uh, oh, that was also very painful to watch. <laughs> it was... But in a different way, I... I, don't know, I think The Last Airbender actually managed to make me laugh out loud a couple times at, like, really stupid, silly moments. Ballistic X versus Sever, though, I might have legitimately like wanted to kill myself watching that movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was just like the most. I, I mean, like it was just if someone tried to make a generic movie and tried to like let's include every like you know played out trope in an action movie we could possibly think of. I think that's how you get X versus Sever. I, that's the best way I could describe it. I don't know if I hated it quite as much as you did. Um, I think I it's remember just what we were talking the about. the most it, dull totally thing ever. Boring. Like, I think of it in my... I just go blank. Like, I'm just like... Uh, like, yeah. I've lost brain cells because <laughs> I watched that movie. Because like, I'm thinking about that movie. I'm losing brain cells at the moment. Like, <laughs> it's yeah, stupefyingly no. stupid. It's... <laughs> Fair enough. And uh, I think I'm going to include all the videos of these in the description. So if you are watching this for the first time and you're curious about the, how bad these movies are, um, you know, you can hear us talking about them. Uh, but, uh, okay, now let's... Uh, so bad it's good. Do you have an idea of... So I really like uh, Teenagers from Outer Space. Um... You know what? That was a good one. I wasn't even considering that one in my like list of possibilities, but I did like that a lot. Yeah. Well, th it's interesting, though, because, I mean, it's not a great movie by any means, but it was surprising in that what it did do well was actually fairly well done. Like, I was actually invested in that movie. <laughs> I was getting into the story. Um, but, yeah, watch watch Teenagers from Outer Space. That's... Yeah, I don't even know if that's so bad it's good. It might actually be actually a little bit good. Uh, yeah, because Plan 9 from Outer Space is such a worse movie in pretty much every way. Uh, yeah. Years from Outer Space is just kind of corny. I think that's its biggest sin. It does, like, some corniness. But in, it's it's almost, like, endearing for that. So I don't even know if that's a knock. Yeah. I don't know. If I, 
another. What would my actually so bad it's good? It's it might either the be one... the happening or trolls too. Um, okay, yeah, those those ones are pretty funny. Um, just going on based on the one that made me laugh the most, it might be, or I don't even know if it made me laugh the most. It was just the one that I loved to hate the most, or the, it which was Battlefield Earth for me. Battlefield Earth was so, in like you could tell. I, I talked about this before with like a movie like Trolls Two or Plan Nine. Part of the reason they're bad is because they're like shoestring budgets, and you know, like not professional actors. And so it was almost like you know, if someone made a film in their backyard, that's the kind of stuff you get. Um, and I mean, that stuff's you know is bad and it's fun to make fun of. But Battlefield Earth had a big budget, big stars. And still managed to be one of the most inept movies I've ever seen in my entire life. Like, and that, that just makes it more funny to me. Um, so it's just, it's just so hilariously bad. Uh, yeah, that I think that would have to be my my pick. Yeah, that yeah, that movie is one of those like car crashes, like on the side of the road, like you just can't like avert your eyes. You're like, whoa, what happened here? Yeah, and it's not like a car just like crashed, like fell in a ditch. I mean, there's like three like cars, like one upside down, like another's like completely split in half, and like someone left like a cryptic message, like in in a field nearby. Like, yeah, yeah it's. Oh man. But okay. With that, um, I guess we will get into Mank, which we've already previewed that uh, we all we all liked quite a bit. Um, so I, let me let me start. This will be the spoiler-free bit because um, I think I'll have because it was not my favorite movie, obviously. So I might have the most measured take, um, the, the least glowing, even though I did like it. I will say that this is probably the. Do you think you can call this a biopic? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's... This is yeah, the best no, biopic like... I've ever seen. Hands down. Really? Now, I think that biopics, by and large, tend to be bad. They're they're just very formulaic kind of movies, and they jump... Like, it's really, really tough to do them because they try to get, like, a famous figure and then do every single thing that happened in their life, and so it's really jumpy. Like, interesting thing... Skip. Interesting thing. Skip. And like, there's not like a, the there's not like they a try to cover story. Much, like, stretch themselves too thin. Yeah, that that seems to be a big problem in a lot of biopics that I see, at least the ones that I'm thinking of. And so this is a lot more focused, which I really liked. And it was also, um, you know, just a lot of the 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 effects and things were cool. The fact that they tried to make it look like an older movie. Um, I think some of that stuff went over better than others. I liked the transitions a lot, like the the fades, the grainy fades were really cool. I didn't so much like the little spots that would show up. They looked really fake to me and didn't add anything. I just thought it looked a little meh. But I mean, it's, it's a minor complaint. Um, and then the, uh, the other criticism I would have of it is that at the beginning, I was having difficulty following what they were saying. Um, <laughs> Just because, you know, they, they talk fast, they talk quips, and it's kind of like a different style of speaking. Because, um, you know, it's that old-timey. Once you kind of settle into the movie, I think you kind of, like, immerse yourself in it. And it becomes starts to start to make more sense out of it, and then it, it gets better. But it did kind of turn me off. I remember the first, like, 
five minutes of the movie, I was thinking like, oh, I'm not going to like this. And like, that was the reason. I was just like, I can barely understand. And you know, it's also the movie is nonlinear. So like, it was just like really confusing um, at first. But then, you know, like it didn't take very long for me to, to get it. And once I did, I ended up really loving it. So that's my, those are my critiques, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. And everything else is amazing. <laughs> All right. Good day, everyone. Let's go home. <laughs> yeah, do you yeah, guys this talk film... about exactly what you like? Oh, yeah. Uh, well, the technical achievements in this film are amazing. Well, first of all, this movie came out on Netflix, and it's just a movie where people just like, you know, like, it's not an action movie or anything. It's just people talking. But I, like, watching it, I was thinking, like, this would be cool to see on a big screen. Like, I actually loved how this movie looks. The cinematography is fantastic. Um, and and really quick, uh, just because a lot of people watching might not know what this movie is, uh, Mank is a biopic of the writer of Citizen Kane. And it's yes. kind of like the, the story of how he came to write that movie. Yeah, it's... And I, I didn't really know much about anything about Mank or the Citizen Kane like writing controversy before I saw this movie. I just saw like, oh, new David Fincher movie. It's coming out on Netflix. I can just watch it. And Gary Oldman's in it. So mm -hmm. yeah. It, um so I don't know how much of this movie's like truth, fiction. Um and to be honest, I don't really actually care that much. <laughs> just like the movie. Um yeah, there's always, I think, kind of been a controversy about the writing credits mm -hmm. for this is in Kane's screenplay. Um, and it, but it's always been attributed to Orson Welles and Herman Mank, uh, Mankiewicz. But anyway, yeah, this movie, like, I guess, portrays the notion of him basically writing the whole thing, or at least the entire first draft. Yeah. Um, but the movie's, um, yeah, it's just the flashback thing where you have, like, one part is him, like, actually writing the script, confined in, like, some ranch in, like, the California desert. And then, like, it's interspersed with flashbacks throughout his life that may or may not, um, like, influence, like, his experience uh, into the story. Um, but, yeah, fantastic-looking movie. I, Yeah, like I said, I wish I could have seen this in theaters. The performances are great. I mean, it's Gary Oldman. I always expect great things from him and he does not let me down in this movie actually i love his portrayal of mank in this movie i think that's one of the reasons why i like the movie so much i just like watching mank he's yeah such an interesting character i mean he's witty charming but he's you know got his faults because he's just a really compulsive gambler and drunkard but also a genius you know um and just, like, every almost, like, line of dialogue feels, like, there's, like, a little bit of wit there. Like, I love the screenplay to this film. Um, the story behind the movie, and it was written, because it was written by David French's dad in the 90s, I guess. Um, and so it's uh, something I guess uh, he's wanted to make for a long time and finally got the green light for. Uh, I think that's just, like, a whole fun tidbit. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, he's... Yeah, the screenplay has been around for a while, I think. Um, but yeah, sorry. Uh, oh no, no, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. I, I, I kind of, I also wanted to kind of bring attention to the screenplay. Uh, not gonna bring up spoilers at this portion yet, but uh, what I will say is that um, this is a film about a screen 
like writer, right? This is uh, someone who who writes the screenplay, and I just thought it was so. Uh, I don't know. There was something kind of like beautiful, I guess, in the way that this the the expertise of this script was showing this scriptwriter. I mean, I, it felt like it was like a homage to the art that you, you know, that you're doing. Um, and so like, I, yeah, it just, that like thought like never left me as I was watching the movie. And like, I was just uh, surprised at like the, the, just how clever, like the writing of this movie was to depict this really clever man who was writing a very clever script for the, some people think the best movie of all time, right? So, um, yeah, I don't know. I absolutely loved it. Uh, kind of a sidebar. Have you guys both seen Citizen Kane? I assume. Yeah. I actually uh, watched. I watched this movie. Then I watched Citizen Kane. Then I watched Mank again. <laughs> 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 I mean, I'd I'd seen Citizen Kane before, but I decided to you know give it another rewatch after watching this. Okay. All right, have you seen it, Adam? Uh, I, so I'm I'm going to say yes, but technically I missed some of it. Okay. Most of it I've seen. Because I remember the I've only seen it once, and I remember when I watched it, I was thinking like this is the most overrated movie I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> like I remember coming out of it because you know it's, it's hyped up to be one of the greatest movies of all time. Uh, like a lot of people say that, and I remember just coming out of it thinking like, not really caring for the movie. Uh, and I, I didn't think it was terrible, but definitely not anything close to the greatest, uh, even among older films. Um, but now I kind of want to give it a rewatch after having seen this. I think part of the issue that I might not have appreciated before is I didn't know all the context behind, you know, the... Uh, like, I knew about... Um, oh, what's his name? The yellow journalism guy. William Randolph Hearst. Yeah, like I knew of him. I learned about him in history class. But I guess I didn't really make the connection that he was what the movie was about. And I certainly... Oh. And and so like maybe, uh, you know, maybe in a rewatch, I'd, I'd appreciate it more. It's It's been a while since I've seen that movie. You know, so uh, I, I'd be curious to see how I, my opinion changes. You should watch it again. Citizen Kane owns. <laughs> <laughs> but all right. Yeah, this movie i mean performances are great visually it's great screenplay's great like i like how the screenplay itself feels like kind of an old movie like it's just got that like snappy like witty dialogue throughout the whole thing um this yeah i think it's might be my favorite movie i've seen so far this year that's come out this year mm. And, and to, like, be fair, there's only, like, five 2020 movies I've seen, like, <laughs> but this, yeah, I was, I don't know, it's just such an entrancing movie, like, I, like, I've watched it twice now, and every time I turned it on, like, I just, like, like, got sucked into it, like, it's, like, mesmerizing, almost, like, it's, it's so freely, like, floats along, like, you kind of, like, just gently, like, drift with it, I feel like. Um, yeah, I I highly recommend it. Watch it. Yeah, I, I mean, I think we can simply say, you know, three thumbs up or whatever. We don't have a rating scale, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> we all liked it. Uh, give it a watch. We all recommend it. And if you haven't seen it, 
and uh, don't want it to be spoiled. We're about to transition over to the more in-depth discussion, which will include spoilers. So warning now. But uh, I guess, you know, to start off, one thing that I I thought was interesting that I kind of uh, didn't catch on to until the end, kind of had to spell it out for me. Uh, actually, there was a lot of things in this movie where, like, I was appreciating something, but then they would say it. Like, they would talk about um, him writing nonlinear scripts and how, like, the audience wouldn't get it or whatever. And, like, that's what you're doing. You're writing the nonlinear <laughs> script. And I was like, cool. But uh, one thing that I liked was that uh, we really got sucked into the personality of Mank in that the amount of screen time characters would get seemed to be based truly on, like, the attention he would give them. So, like, they mentioned, right, they're like, you don't even take care of the kid. And it's like, yeah. He, he the, the, His kid is, like, not a part of this movie. The wife is barely a part of this movie. And that's because that's Mank's life. Like, Mank is not a family man. He is obsessed with the work. And work is what he does. And so that's what we see. And I thought that was, like, a little cool touch. Among many yeah. cool touches in this movie. <laughs> No, yeah, it's. Um, I didn't get everything on my first watch too, because I actually kind of had the same problem you did. Where at first I was like, "What are they saying?" But uh, yeah, you get over that problem easily. But then I watched Susan Kane again, and then I went back and watched this movie with subtitles actually, and like I did, I already loved the movie the first time I saw it, but the second time I still appreciated it even more. I think because I was like picking up on things, and I was like, "Oh, okay, to Citizen okay. Kane." How did it compare to Sorry. Citizen Kane? What's the better movie? Uh, I personally like Mank better, I think. I mean, Citizen... I mean, just Mank feels it has a more, like, I guess, modern sensibility, which I just like, kind of. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. I don't think there's anything wrong with a 1940s movie being not your favorite. Um, yeah. I mean, Citizen Kane is still great, I think. Um, actually, the first time I saw it, too, I was kind of like, hmm, what's the big deal? But this time around, I was, like, paying attention more to other things. Um, but then, uh, and I think that helped me appreciate the movie more, because, like, the first time I watched it, I don't think I was really paying attention that much to the visuals. But this time around, Citizen Kane, I was like, holy shit. Like, there's amazing cinematography in this movie like the mise-en-scene is fantastic at some parts um did the uh the script writing in citizen kane feel similar to mink like how similar was and how similar was like the transitions and things like all that stuff was that was that just like an homage to old movies or was that an homage to citizen kane i was actually really curious about that well i think citizen well citizen kane was pretty influential in that like that movie is told through the story of flashbacks like right it, it it is non-linear, which I think was pretty um new at the time. And uh and I caught that parallel kind of too with this movie because it's Mank, but it's flashbacks to his life. That's how the story unfolds while he's writing the script. Um I think writing, that was even though it seemed so like that was actually the main story of the movie was him in his bed writing the script. And yet like that was I liked those scenes, and it was always interesting when like the main story picked up. But like, if you had just spliced those bits together, it's not much of a movie. Like the context yeah. makes it, and it's it's, just, it's interesting that like it's 
what would not be an interesting thing with context becomes really, really interesting. Um, I don't know. Uh, I thought that uh, the dialogue was so good that like they probably could have just shown me that those bad scenes and I'd be like, <laughs> like, thank you for letting me hang out with you. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, um, you know, I, I, I really like. I, I, maybe I should stop fawning over the dialogue so much, but it's just, it's no, it's, it's fantastic, the type of, man. <laughs> yeah, it's the type of dialogue that like makes you feel like you learn something, like you're smarter, like from hearing them talk. And like, I, it was um, like reading an Oscar Wilde like play or something. Like, yeah, I want to read the screenplay to Mank again. Or uh, I, I haven't read the screenplay, but I want to read the screenplay for it. Yeah, it's just it's just um, like I, I wish uh, that I had the memory to to bring back some of the examples because I remember like um, like watching the film and like like they'd say something and like this is like again this is not a movie of like high emotions it's not like super dramatic all the time right um, but it would was like still like a line that someone would say would actually like hit me and i'd be like like this is like so great to hear i'm very happy you know to hear people say this basically um so uh yeah um the dialogue is a really big thing one other um thing that i felt like that i i guess i really liked about this movie um is that uh and I think this is kind of related to the difference between Citizen Kane, because what I remember, I, I mostly saw the more than the later half of Citizen Kane when I was watching it. And no, I wouldn't say the dialogue is especially similar, based on what I remember of that movie. Um, but I think that part of the reason for that is that um, the point of that movie is to follow the tragic figure of this newspaper magnet, right? And the purpose of this movie is to follow make and you know i i i I haven't done a lot of research i will concede but i imagine that maybe this is how people saw make like this is the the impression that that person gave to the people around him right um so i mean so it's true that we talked about biopic and it just occurred to me that i didn't think to question how fictional this story is uh, some of it just i suspect actually in retrospect probably definitely well no one was in the room with him right so yeah um well except for uh secretary rita alexander Um, that's i mean do you think they interviewed her that'd be interesting yep oh so i actually did some research on this okay and like if we want to get into it like the whole controversy about authorship of the screenplay so basically i think what kind of bumped up the controversy was in, I think, I want to say like 70, 71, Pauline Kael wrote a very long essay called Raising Kane, where basically she kind of just lambasts Orson Welles and raises up Mank as like the sole author, like hero of the screenplay. And she, like the actual secretary, Rita Alexander, the British woman in the movie, I think she was interviewed and she said that Orson Welles, like, or every single like line in the shooting script was a line like that Mankiewicz wrote. Um, but then there's other people who contest that. They'd say it was like, 
well then like what are all the lines i wrote for orson welles saying like his like um secretary or whatever and so that essay i think released a lot of controversy and nowadays i think it's i don't know if people actually take it too seriously mm. i think it's kind of been like debunked or whatever but um yeah there was a lot of like people were there i think with mank like he did i think actually like dictate it but everyone seems to have uh differing opinions about what truly happened or not so um huh. yeah but i mean like i count this movie as pretty much fictional but i've always done that with biopics i've like i never watch a biopic and think like i'm getting like the true story like to me it's just a movie mm -hmm. that happens to be based on someone yeah. and i've yeah, always it has to be dramatized yeah, yeah, and I've always been of the opinion for, like, biopics or, like, movies like that. Like, you should never, ever, ever let the truth get in the way of a good narrative, so. Yeah, no, I mean, fair enough. Wow. Yeah, they're, they're movies, they're not documentaries. You know, if you want to make that, make that. What, one other small thing I kind of want to bring attention to that I thought was another, because, like I said, this is a movie that is enjoyable, kind of on a meta level of, like, commentary, commenting on its own art um and i thought that one other kind of like moment of that that i thought was really cool was the way that stories um are kind of used to convey a moment in, in, in just in life that's kind of like a theme so it's applicable in life as well but i mean like that it's something the movie's kind of pushing because like uh you know he drunkenly gives this kind of like narrative of her life and then all of a sudden it, tables turn um as they do like characters suddenly um that don't look like they're in power suddenly have power that happens all the time right um and so now then william hurst kind of turns the table around and, and gives him his own story which is just like this really simple like parable of the monkey which obviously is supposed to represent him and so i just thought it was like fun to see at the end it's like this is um makes response to that he's turning he has to turn you know william randolph hearst's story he has to do his little parable for him and what he amounts to which is just that kind of sad you know um and so i, I don't know I, I, at that level i also wanted to point out that was really uh, enjoyable and uh, beautiful I did also appreciate, um, this movie has a bit of a political aspect to it, how relevant oh, yeah. it was. <laughs> like, <laughs> which I, I think yeah, that, it's kind of a pertinent movie. It's hard yeah, times these days. You know, there's, uh, there's socialists running, um, and then there's the uh, Republicans trying to use fake news to uh, distort voters' perceptions. Um, and so I just, I, I kind of appreciate how prescient that was. And also... It just like kind of struck me how um, nothing's changed. We're just uh, <laughs> same old, same old, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I like how they show actually kind of like show Upton Sinclair at one point from like afar. And it's and Bill it's Nye. Bill Nye. <laughs> I knew his voice. I could not place it. Uh, I was like, it's like, what? Who's speaking? Like, what? Where have I heard this like voice before? Okay. 
That's a joke. I just okay. love the idea of Bill Nye is up there. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's really weird. Okay. Yeah, but performances in this movie, I thought, like, like Gary Oldman did a fantastic job, but it just wasn't just him. Like, yeah. Amanda Seyfried as um, Marion Davies, is that her name? It was great. I love her Brooklyn accent. Um, I actually really like... I can't remember his name. The dude that actually played William Randolph Hearst. I mean, he's yeah. not in the movie a lot, but when he is, he has a very kind of like, I don't know, I want to say towering presence. It's very felt like. Yeah, I don't remember. I know I recognize the actor, um, but I, I tend to like him. I just can't think of a single movie <laughs> right now off the top of my head. But I, I know that I've seen him before. And he, he always plays this kind of like, I think he plays bad guys a lot. Um, but he does it well. He, he's he's good at it, at being like the the rich and powerful kind of guy. Yeah, I mean, this is the thing though. So we obviously very much like the movie. Do you think this could be a movie for like everyone though? Like I could see people mm -hmm. like not getting or liking this movie. Um, I think it helps if you are. This is definitely a movie for movie people. Like, if yeah. you're into the idea of film... This kind of, of film, feels like one of those, like, films for, like, critics. Like, I yeah. I haven't looked at the Rotten Tomatoes score, but I bet you the critics' score is higher than the audience score. <laughs> Maybe not a lot, but I bet you it'll be higher. I'm gonna it. I, uh, I think that's a pretty safe bet. Yeah, I mean, there's a certain kind of movie watcher, and I don't, don't want to make any judgments about this, because, like, I don't think there's anything wrong with being a casual movie rusher. Like, there's no right way to watch movies. But, like, if, if you're more into movies for, like, the spectacle of them, um, then there's still some things I like about this movie just because it, it is kind of cool. You know, it's the old-timey look. But that might not appeal to everybody. Um, you know, there's a reason that's not the norm. Uh, so, like, you know, if if you're just into the latest Marvel movie, then maybe maybe this might not be for you. Um and again, there's nothing wrong with that, but I could see this being more for a bit of a niche, a particular niche audience. Yeah. And I don't know if this is exactly necessary, but like having like some knowledge of like early Hollywood and how that worked and like Citizen Kane itself, I think does help you appreciate the movie more. It's not strictly needed, but it's, <laughs> I think the movie is kind of made for like people who are into that who actually yeah it's, it's for critics this this is if you're the kind of person that likes citizen kane you're probably <laughs> gonna like this movie too <laughs> i think it's a good way to put it <laughs> um and i mean like if if uh you know we're describing that and you know this it sounds interesting to you but you don't think you are the kind of person who cares about old movies like don't let that put you off there, there's a, this is an interesting enough drama of the story to be interesting, even without all the surrounding historical stuff. Um, you know, he's, uh, there's no, he, his wife kind of calls him out on it. He, he gets into a lot of emotional affairs. So he's not, he's not a cheater. Like he doesn't, um, he doesn't uh, actually like. He doesn't sleep around, but he. Like... Right. But like he, he ignores his wife while getting very intimately close friendship wise i guess you'd say with uh you know the the women around him 
And so that creates for some kind of interesting dynamics. Um, and then, you know, obviously there's the political element, so there's some political drama. And uh, yeah, there, there's, there's stuff to enjoy um, even beyond the, you know, it's, it's, this movie is not a history lesson about the 1940s and 1930s. Um, you know, that stuff is there and I, I, I love history, so that was super interesting to me, but I don't, that's not necessary for your enjoyment. Yeah. But, okay, so. You get the critic sense. score on Rotten Tomatoes, 87%. Audience score, 72%. Okay. So, uh, amateur theory score, uh, 9,000. Uh, <laughs> 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 okay, I think I think that's a good thing to end on. 9,000%. Um, I was gonna make it. It's over nine thousand. I don't think I need to play it. Out. Play it out. Um, Number. But uh, uh, we can end like we always do. Uh, what we've been watching. I'll start because uh, I have been completely hooked on Cobra Kai. I've already seen the first two seasons. If you're not familiar with that, it is a sequel show to The Karate Kid, and it is way better than it has any right to be. But it is so good. I'm so into it. The The newest season, season three, is coming out in January. Um, and I I couldn't be more excited for it. I can't even remember, remember the last time I've been into a show like this much. Okay. I So I've never seen The Karate Kid. Um, do you, like, need to watch those movies before watching Cobra Kai? You don't need to. They are self-contained stories. But uh, I imagine know. the context helps out a bit. Yeah. And, I like, what the, the there's a lot of... Um, flashback scenes which are just scenes from the movie so it gives oh. you all the context you need uh but i mean they're both on netflix so you know why not <laughs> right <laughs> um and even if you haven't seen the karate kid you probably know enough you know you've probably heard of wax on wax off right and all the 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 kick to the face the really yeah, i know about scenes. the kick uh right so like i imagine that uh you was well, that the yeah is that the movie with the song um you're the best around. Nothing's ever going to keep you down. Is that the Karate Kid? <laughs> I don't think so. Oh, shit. What's... Yeah, what movie is that from then? <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't that from uh, like one of those So Bad It's Good movies? Oh, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> oh, there was some like Kung Fu movie that I think that's from. I can't. It's it was, It's like a really bad like 80s movie that's hilarious i can't think of what it's called i think if i'm thinking of the right <laughs> yeah. song and the right movie i don't know <laughs> anyway yeah. maybe i just sung it so bad that <laughs> you're thinking of a different song <laughs> <laughs> let's see um uh, I'm doing research now because I have to. Because I'm certain that song was made for a movie. I know exactly the song you're talking about. Um, it is in the Karate Kid. Oh, there you yep, go. Sure enough. Okay, I was thinking something different. I haven't seen the Karate Kid since I was a kid. Um, it's so been a while like, for me too. Yeah, I might rewatch it now that I've been watching. I haven't seen the Karate Kid, kid since I was a kid and into karate myself. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> my karate kid days are over. <laughs> but like, even it's like again, you don't need to have an intimate understanding of the movie. But I knew it well enough that I was able to get the context. I probably will watch the movie soon because, uh, you know, with with the the context of Cobra Kai now, knowing what happens later will be interesting to rewatch it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I've heard like great things about uh, Cobra Kai. Um, I just always, I guess, been someone hesitant. Well, because, well, first of all, it's a show and I just can't be bothered to do shows ever. <laughs> but also, like, it's a sequel to The Karate Kid, which I've never seen before. So. And I was wondering, yeah, like, because I didn't want to go into a situation where you, like, watch season three of Twin Peaks without having watched the other two, and you're just like, <laughs> what? what? <laughs> <laughs> All right, what have you guys been uh, watching? Or, you know, reading, if you've maybe been away from the internet for however long. I mean, I read a ton of stuff, and I watched a decent amount of stuff. Um, actually, the most... I watched a movie... Okay, so basically, I rewatched The Social Network after I watched Mank for the second time, because... Because, like, Another biopic. a biopic by David Fincher, and I was like, oh, well, he also did The Social Network. Oh, we didn't even ago. mention that Trent Reznor did the soundtrack uh, for me. Oh, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross, yeah. Atticus Ross, it, it sounds nothing like Trent Reznor, though. It's all period pieces. But it was still good. Anyway, yeah. sidebar. But yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I decided to watch The Social Network again because it's... I mean, it's also a biopic by the same directed by the same guy who did this um yeah. and it's been i saw that movie once 10 years ago when it came out I remember and i watched it again and it's i think it's one of the greatest movies of all time oh wow I, yeah I, actually i'd be if you'd be interested at all I, maybe we could do an episode on it like i don't want to talk about it too much just because like even like i watched it last night and after it was over, I was like, I should go to bed, but I kind of want to watch it, like, again. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know, maybe, like, yeah, I've been watching I've been watching movies, like, two times these days, wanting to watch them again. Maybe that's just an after effect of my tech fast, when I had, like, six movies on a USB drive, and I've watched <laughs> those, like, over and over. So, <laughs> yeah, the social network, that's... This movie isn't the greatest biopic of all time. I think The Social Network is, but... <laughs> so, uh, same director. He yeah. very, seems to be quite good at uh, directing these. So uh, while we're talking uh, biopics, I do want to plug for uh, Steven Spielberg's Lincoln. I absolutely love that movie. It was, that was the boringest movie I've ever seen. I thought it was boring. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> what? Well, I've I only seen it once. It. I just remember it that well. But... I, 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 I loved it a lot. I thought it was great. Um, I saw it when I was, I guess, younger, but when did that come uh, out? That's a great question. That was like 2013 or 14, probably, I feel like. It probably would have been around then, huh? I, that I wasn't that young, <laughs> but still. No, I remember Daniel Day-Lewis being in the film and like him doing... Like he's fantastic. Like he is Lincoln in that yeah. movie. Um, it, 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 I don't know. It felt like a window into the past. But in any case, um, that's not a movie I've seen recently. Um, I haven't seen that much. Over Thanksgiving, I saw a bunch of James Bond films. <laughs> My bad. Um, <laughs> 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 uh, 
so let's see. Um, I guess I can talk about Spectre, which was a uh, you'd never seen before. I had never seen it. it. That was my first time I'd seen it, and um, the worst Craig movie. It was okay. Yeah, it. I don't know. The more I think about it, the more the things I don't like stick out in my mind more than the things that I thought were fine. So ultimately, yeah, wouldn't recommend it. Specter fucking blows. <laughs> <laughs> I I actually liked it better on the second watch than I did on the first watch. It helped that I watched it soon after watching a bunch of old James Bond, and so I thought it was doing a little bit more. Mm. It it really is just putting Craig in an old James Bond movie. It's what it is. Um, so from that perspective, I could appreciate what they're trying to do. It's such a tonal shift for him that it doesn't come out that it comes out weird um, doing that. But like, I could see what they were trying to do. So I can sure. appreciate it. I, I guess I, I highly doubt we're going to do a video on that movie. So I'll, I'll talk about it a little bit. Um, but uh, essentially my, my big issue is like, like, the whole point of the Daniel Craig movies is to update that series, right? So why would you keep the villain so lame? Just, like, truly the lamest, some of the lamest villain work I have ever seen in a James Bond movie. I just... It's uh, crazy because it's a good actor. I know. It, yeah, you picked... He's, like, my favorite oh, villain he was ever. wasted. Like the, he plays <laughs> the very best villains. They, like, they neutered this guy. I couldn't believe just, like, how... Like piss poor the 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 villain in this. Yeah, film. they made him like a classic James Bond villain, and, and that's my point. Is like, well, why yeah, did why did why did they bring back, back Blofeld? Why did they bring back the Spectre organization? Like, just well, well, it's like they brought back those things, and then it was the the lame version from the past, like when it was lame. I don't know. It's, it's it, it, I can't. It, yeah, well, <laughs> the more I think about the movie, the more I think like I don't, I don't. Not Don't feeling. they do the thing where he's like, I've secretly been behind everything the right. entire time. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. Just, yeah. Fine. If you do that, make him very formidable. Don't, like, make him be like a big bad guy now from now on, like he was in the original movies. If he's was really that guy that was behind everything. <laughs> so don't have him just, like, be defeated at the end. Imagine um, thinking that guy was behind, hit, like, uh, how do you pronounce his name? Bardem's villain. Like, he was the mastermind there? Like, <laughs> come on. Like, That's true. Okay, all, sorry, all I, of the bad guys in all the previous Craig movies were more, like, menacing than this. I know. <laughs> um, really was. That and also, said, this I movie mean, just went on for way, way too long. Like, I actually no, you feel it a little bit more on the second watch for that. This is the thing. I, I, I only saw the movie once back when it came out. I feel like if I watched it again, I would probably like it more just because I have... S Lower standards. <laughs> All I remember are the negative feelings I have. Like, I'm going to go with... <laughs> I'm going to be like, okay, it's not that bad. But the opening remember... scene is one of the coolest opening scenes for a Bond movie. I agree. Day of the Dead thing. That was really cool. Yeah, I remember that. Um, yeah, I, do I don't know. That. I just there were some good things. There, there were some things. Actually, I would say that the good. whole first half of the movie was great. Actually, like the first half of the movie is like classic Craig Bond, amazing. And then as soon as they introduce Blofeld, it just kind of goes downhill from there. Um,
But up to that point, if the movie had ended when like the base exploded the first time, then I would have come out being like, yeah. <laughs> that was good. And I, I will concede, I did actually really feel the classic, like the classic Bond feeling when James Bond and like, um, uh, when James Bond was in Blofeld's base, just walking around, like conversing with his villain, that did feel like a very James Bond kind of moment, something that like really felt classic uh, at the, but I don't know, everything after that part was just, and then especially the revelation inside was like, this is cool. And you feel it like becoming lamer, just like as it goes on. <laughs> uh, it's kind of, I, I don't know. Uh, yeah. Uh, Dude, I was checking my it, watch. I, n- I never do this in movies, or in the theater at least. Like, I, I, I like to, like, just, I'll be like, I'll watch it. This movie, I was like, I'm like, <laughs> it's only been like an hour and 40 minutes. It felt like it's been like two and a half so far. Like, <laughs> All right. Spectre well, I guess is, it's my favorite Bond movie. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, thank you for listening. This has been the Amateur Theory Podcast. If you like what you heard, please give us a like, a subscribe. Uh, You can give us a comment if you have any movies that you think would be interesting for us to watch. We also have an email address, amateurtheory at yahoo.com, if you want to send us uh, any suggestions. And uh, we're also on Spotify, Apple. Uh, Check us out. And until next time. All right. Until next time, everybody. See ya.